Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Safe House Chicago. The Safe House invites you to experience Chicago's number one spy-themed bar and restaurant, located in the heart of River North. Your next late-night mission should include a stop at the Safe House, where you can sip on giant shareable cocktails, dance the night away to our live DJ, and exit through our top-secret laser maze. Named Chicago's most Instagrammable restaurant, don't miss out on the fun every Friday and Saturday night. For more information, visit safehousechicago.com. Hello, Your Stories family. Chris Crowell here again with our last episode looking back in the mists of Your Stories history. This episode is Fellowship Part 1 from June 9th, 2014. It has performances from a lot of my favorite storytellers. It was done in collaboration with the Chicago Alternative Comics Expo, which is an incredible event, always was. We've got Steve Persh and Mary Beth Smith, Kevin Budnick, who is a beam of light, he's more heart than man, and coincidentally just finished doing the artwork for our wedding. If you get a chance, Google the man. Uh, His work is absolutely fantastic. That's Kevin Budnick, B-U-D-N-I-K. We've got fan favorite and always amazing storyteller Natasha Samrini, and a really touching story from Grace Chan, ending with one of my favorite songs again, handle with care we've got a lot coming up on the docket guys make sure to check out all of our social media our first show together hosting the entire thing is this sunday the 17th be sure to come out and say hi if you can we've got a lot of things up in the air during this transition and we're navigating it the best we can for you guys there's a series coming up i'm very very excited about that i think My passion will certainly show through, and we hope to see you soon. Handle each other with care. It's cold. I'm here in Bridgeport. can hear the sleet making everything an icy mess outside, and I think everybody can use a little bit more positivity. So just keep it rolling, nerd family. Keep it rolling. I'll hope to see you very soon. But we're going to play songs, I don't know, I, to me, Fellowship, like, the first thing I thought of was Supergroups. So we're going to do songs by Supergroups. So this next song, you know, you get it, you get it. Like, the Fellowship of the Ring was like a supergroup of the, the peoples of Middle-earth. It really was, even so, though they included four hobbits. Right. Now, if you imagine that the peoples of Middle-earth were made up of the races of Styx and, and uh, Night Ranger and also Ted Nugent... <laughs> this, this is what would have resulted. What a horrible world! <laughs> it is not a stretch. I can't get my hands off. <laughs> so, we're gonna win you guys over with some songs. I don't wanna hear about it anymore. It's a shame I've got to live. Anymore Can't just 
Yeah, that's the end. Um, Pat Oswald has a great bit about that song. If you've seen the video, so the premise is the band is holed up in a house, and, like, the police are attacking them for some reason. And during the solo is, like, when they're shooting at the house, and Ted Nugent comes out and deflects bullets with the power of his guitar solo. No! Pretty awesome. What? Yeah. <laughs> the irony is that, of course, Ted Nugent loves bullets. But he also loves guitar okay. solos! Wrong, wrong crowd, maybe. Um... <laughs> Ted Nugent is a noted gun rights activist. And a dick. Yeah. We're going to get to some stories. Uh, even though this is your stories, we usually start things off with a member of the Nerdalogs. Tonight we actually have two who are going to do something together. Steve Hirsch and Mary Beth Smith. Double nerds. Uh, we can sit. Uh, so... Uh, as, as some of you know, I'll be moving to Milwaukee in just a few weeks, and I know, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and uh, the past, I guess, two and a half years or so with, with Nerdalogs have been some of the most um, formative and important times for me creatively in Chicago. Uh, this, this has really been a creative home for me. And I'm, I'm going to deeply miss the, um, the regular weekly connections that I have with the group. Um, they won't go away. They'll be different. Uh, Milwaukee's not that far away. Um, so as I was reflecting back on, on my time with the group, I got thinking about uh, one of the first sketches I pitched to the Nerdalogs, uh, which is why Mary Beth is up here. She's going to read it with me. <laughs> this, is, this is a sketch that I wrote... Um, six years ago for uh, a sketch writing class at I.O. Uh, it was staged once on the I.O. stage. Uh, never been staged by the Nerdalogs. And Guys, this is practically exclusive. Pretty much. What, what I'm saying. This is a Your Stories exclusive. Um, and and while I would love to, to be able to say that I have grown so much creatively during my time with the Nerdalogs. <laughs> Looking at the sketch that I wrote six years ago, I can say, not exactly. I found a home with the Nerdalogs um, for my, my style of comedy that likes to couch um, sex jokes inside of uh, highbrow references. Uh, so, so I really haven't grown creatively. Maybe I've gotten better at editing. Um, some of this is a little too long. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, we start in a, a classroom, and Mrs. Schaefer is is grading papers, and Jeffrey, an eighth grader, knocks. Uh, h- hello. Oh, hi, Jeffrey. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> Are you grading papers? Uh, yeah, but you can always come in. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to tell you I, I really enjoyed your lecture today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. You know, it's great to have someone in class who's just so engaged. You know, when I had your older brother, he never paid attention. Oh, yes. It's crazy how two people from the same family can be so different. I mean... Look at the Lee family of Virginia. (laughs) Richard Henry Lee formally introduces the resolution for independence, which leads to the formation of the Union. (laughs) 
that Robert Ely fights so strongly against. Exactly. It, it just always strikes me how students like you have so much passion for learning and others don't. Yeah, you know, sometimes I just feel like John Adams in a room full of Tories. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of, check out what I just got off Amazon. Wow. <laughs> Is that the complete DVD collection of the HBO miniseries and biopic, John Adams? It sure is. I had them send it overnight. Oh, wow. I bet John Adams would have liked overnight shipping in his day. <laughs> to think he and Abigail sent each other thousands of letters by Mounted Rider. Uh, quite a story, huh? Maybe we could watch those parts together sometime? I don't think any of the rest of the class would be interested. Yeah, you're right. I was trying to talk to Amy at lunch today about the correspondences between John and Abigail Adams and how the depth and breadth of the love they expressed in those letters could never be matched in the text message emoticons that seem to be the dominant means of communication in society today. And it was like she just didn't get it at all. Wow. <laughs> Jeffrey, if only men twice your age understood as much as you, I... I, uh... You'd have someone I, to call your dearest friend? Yes. Unfortunately, most guys have no idea what love can grow when you're breaking all the rules and have nothing to lose. When you're just living on a prayer. Just like Bon Jovi. Who? Uh, uh, you know Bon Jovi. Living on a prayer? What? Bon Jovi, the, go, the guy who wrote Living on a Prayer. Is that, is that a book? No, it's a song from the 80s. Oh. Okay. I can't believe, I can't believe you don't know the band Bon Jovi. I thought Bon Jovi was a person. Uh, bon Jovi was the name of a band. John Bon Jovi was the name of the guy. He was, he was totally awesome. <laughs> and his name was John Bon. No. Bon Jovi was a stage name. Oh, oh, and Nam de Plume. Yeah, uh, though I don't think people remember him so much as a writer. More as just a sex symbol. Oh, a sad fate that seems to have befallen our third president. Exactly. <laughs> Half the questions I get about Thomas Jefferson are about who he had sex with. I know. We should do something about that. Maybe a class exercise where we recreate the conditions under which the Declaration of Independence was written. Well, uh, I think I could see you playing that powerful and elegant statesman. <laughs> Thank you. I have been reading his lesser-known Declaration of the Causes and Necessities of Taking Up Arms from 1775. <laughs> as a way of better understanding his motivations. Well, um, I think that's a great idea. And you, of course, could play Martha Jefferson. <laughs> I'd love to be the Martha to your Thomas. That reminds me, I used to have an 8-track of Thomas Jefferson's favorite violin pieces. They were all very romantic. <laughs> a, a what? Um, an 8-track. It's, like it's like a big cassette type thing. Wait, like 8-track or A-track? Uh, and, uh, it was an 8-track. They were really reliable. Wait, so just... all the songs only had 8 instrument tracks? That must have been really limiting. I mean, I was remixing the Star Spangled Banner and Garage Band yesterday, and I got to 12 tracks, like, really quickly. Uh, nope. Uh, they would still do the mix down in the studio. Uh, I don't even think they used all 8 tracks on the cassette. Jeez, I can see why they didn't last long. No, they were great! Uh, <clears throat> 
you'd put it in like this toaster slot thing in your car, and, and now everyone just listens to music on an iPod. You put music in a toaster in your car? How dumb is that? No, uh, forget the eight track thing. Uh, why don't you tell me a little more about yourself? Well, uh, I'm thinking about joining the debate team. Let me guess. You'll be doing the Lincoln-Douglas debates? Is there any other kind? I bet you didn't know before Mary Todd Lincoln married Abe she was being courted by Stephen Douglas. I think she was attracted to his firm central authority. Or maybe she just had a thing for ambitious young lawyers. Just like Hillary Rodham. Who? Oh, fuck it. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. That's fine. <laughs> uh, yes, the the fact that uh, I can send Mary Beth this script with no notice and we rehearse it half of a time, and I give one note of a million times more sexual tension, uh, that tells me I found my creative home here at the school. Uh, that we can just do these things. So, so thank you, everyone, and I'm sure I'll be back for many of your stories in the future. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary Beth. We will all miss you, Steve. Although this might be the first year that we don't do a Nerdalog send-off your stories in August, because you'll keep coming back. I guess that's better than doing that yearly send-off show. Uh, also, John Bon Jovi's real name is John Bon Giovi. Fun fact. Yeah, Bon Giovi. Very, very Italian. It's true. That's not a joke. That's true. I watched Behind the Music, bro. Is it just Bon Jovi with B-O-N-G-I-O-V-I. Bon Giovi. I know. I'm here to educate, guys. Anyway, so we have some special guests in the house tonight, as we tend to. We are welcoming some folks from Cake Chicago, Chicago Alternative Comics Expo. This is something I love very much, as I am a comic book retailer and fan and addict. So, um... The first fellow who's going to be speaking from Cake is a friend of ours. He's been to some of your stories before. Look forward to his contribution now, Mr. Kevin Budnick. Kevin Bongiovi. It's Italian for good Giovi. really hoping I could come up with like a good icebreaker, so I'm really glad that happened. Thanks for setting me up, Eric. Uh, so I, sorry I didn't say hey to anybody when I came in. I've been like kind of racking my brain over what to write about um, because the theme this month being fellowship, um, I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, what I eventually settled upon was the fact that I'm here as an ambassador of Cake, which is the Chicago Alternative Comics Expo. And uh, if if you guys don't know what that is, it's a it's a comics convention that's coming up at the end of this month, being May, uh, and it's just a it's a really great opportunity for a lot of indie cartoonists to get together and just see each other. You know, once a year it happens, and it's kind of like this big family reunion. Everybody trades books, everybody supports each other's art, and it's just really wonderful. Uh, and for me, it's a big deal because um, I'm sort of a homebody. Uh, I, in preparation for tonight, I, I downloaded the Lord of the Rings audiobooks, yeah. uh, and I went on a really long walk, uh, thank you, and I, uh, and I, I listened to them trying to come up with an idea, 
so what ended up actually sticking was uh, the reason why I had never actually seen the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, um, particularly the second one, uh, Two Towers. So I... This goes back to when I was a little kid. Uh, I've, I've been a homebody for most of my life, uh, but right now, as a 25-year-old, uh, my nights are full of drawing and uh, folding and stapling and not uh, eating hot dogs, crinkle fries, and watching Trading Spaces. <laughs> I did. I was, like, really into Joy... What's her face? Uh, is that her name? I don't know. Um, Paige. Paige. Somebody Paige shout it. Uh, Paige Davis. Okay. <laughs> Total recall. Uh, I, so yeah, um, I, at, at probably age like 13 or something like that, I was invited to my first, uh, boy girl sort of party, but it was a party that was going to center around going to Village Crossing in Niles and seeing the two towers. Uh, when I accepted the invite, I was like, oh, that sounds really fun. I'll do that. We'll take the bus. It's going to be like a total adventure. Uh, and then I was not prepared for what happened, which was a three-girl-to-seven-guy uh, ratio game of spin the bottle, uh, featuring that overtly sexual 13-year-old who shopped at Hot Topic and listened to Slipknot and was, like, really scary for that and, like, also kind of hot. Uh, and so... <laughs> Suffice to say, when they were like, you should totally play, Kevin. Like, here, it's just this easy. Uh, and they tried to urge me by demonstrating how to spin the bottle. And then, like, two kids were, like, like on their hands and knees. Like, then they just go, like, like that. <laughs> I, I was, like, flop sweat scared by that. Uh, so I left. I peaced out. I was gone. So I've never seen uh, the second <laughs> Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> I decided to go home. Uh, but like I said, as, as, a, as a 25-year-old, I'm still a homebody, and I'm still like kind of afraid of things like that. I'm not like, like I understand the difference between a game of spin the bottle and like an adult relationship. <laughs> I guess. Uh, but it can be pretty isolating when you just kind of hang out at home and like make your art. And that's why uh, getting together for to see all these cartoonists and all these people who are just really passionate about the things that they're doing uh, is so inspiring. And coming to draw with a lot of those people and coming to meet a lot of the cartoonists in Chicago, uh, I find out that a lot of people are like like me and they understand what it feels like to be a 13-year-old who's, like, afraid of boy-girl parties. <laughs> so that was my fellowship. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, we're only, like, four years apart in age, but I feel so old that you were 13 when Two Towers I, came out. It's an estimate. I have uh, no idea. Okay. Fair. I still feel ancient. <laughs> anyway... We're going to hear more from other folks involved with Cake later on, and we'll tell you all about where it is, how to get tickets, all that good stuff. But for now, a returning friend from the last couple of months, she's told some baller stories. I can't wait to hear what's next. Natasha Samreni. I'm not using names in here to protect the innocent. <laughs> One of the characters is me, though, so that's obvious. Um, and... Uh, uh, 
Anyways, it is about a journey. <laughs> Sorry, a journey, a trip, so to speak. My first trip of this kind. I'm not going to say anything else. Let's start. <laughs> um, everything changed that day. I would try hard to remember the clouds, the church clouds, the boundless energy that pumped through our feet, and how bright colors really can be. They were sweet discoveries I'd made under his protective watch. But there was one thing that I couldn't forget, that I couldn't undo, no matter how I tried. It was the kiss, the one kiss that would change everything. Why won't the morning come faster? I need the morning to come faster. I rolled into bed and shoved my hands into my hoodie. Soft, waxy wrappers spilled out. Oh my God, how many Tootsie Rolls did we eat? (laughs) The magic was starting to lift, evaporating, leaving more questions than answers. How am I supposed to tell my boyfriend someone else kissed me? Maybe, hey, no big deal. Got your Lagunita. I know it's your favorite. (laughs) Um... Why am I covering my face with my hands? I'm so sorry. That's weird. I don't know how to say this. I didn't feel anything. I'm going to start with that. I didn't feel anything. The drugs, they play with your emotions. I didn't know. How was I supposed to tell him that my first trip felt like my first love from start to finish, but not for the reasons he'd think and looking back for reasons he would never be able to understand or forgive? Colors. In one day, we lived countless days of color. In fast-forward motion, running, running, running. My roommate said, trust me, so I did. Sans watches, sans plans, fast hearts, pure joy, and then pain. When it was all gone, and I cried to know if I'd ever feel that way again. Put it in your mouth, he said. Like this? Yeah, just hold it in there for like 20 minutes. Let it dissolve on your tongue. You promise, I said. I'm not going to like die or pass out or something. (laughs) Yeah, I promise. I won't let anything happen to you. Well, what do we do till then, I asked. Did you like make a playlist or something? Um, This isn't really the type of thing you make a playlist for, Tasha. (laughs) If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. I pressed the paper to my tongue and smiled. Cheers. We stared at the walls and waited. This was the advent of my upper middle class upbringing and postgraduate education. (laughs) Jobless, insuranceless, nearly 30, and most importantly, according to my mother, childless. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's terrible. Just another normal Chicago Sunday afternoon. Chewing paper with my roommate, waiting for the world to change. I moved to my room to await the inevitable. And then I heard her voice. I can't believe you still don't have a real bed, Natasha. I thought I raised you better. I logged on to Facebook. (laughs) Dang it. I'm not supposed to communicate with the outside world. Never mind. I fell back onto my frameless bed. Colored lintworms wiggle dance from the white brick walls, and I watch them with more trusting intensity than a human should ever place in an inanimate object. But suddenly they were alive, and then it happened. Oh my God, my teeth feel amazing! (laughs) The color green. (laughs) 
We ran, we ran and we ran, we ran and we ran and we ran. And when we got tired, we drank from the kids' water fountain in the park. The lawn smelled like crap. Fresh, steaming piles of dog crap. It was the second warmest day of Chicago's spring, so of course everything smelled fresher. And the sky cupped the spherical greenness of the day. He lifted pull-ups on the train tracks, and I ate Tootsie Rolls and watched. He said, we can go anywhere. Thinking. Let's keep running, I said. Pilsen streets looped through endless Mexican families until the city. He waved at me. There's this field I found. Oh my God, there are fields in Pilsen? How could you not tell me there are fields in Pilsen? (laughs) The blue sky punched up his aqua eyes, and I followed his pace in my bouncy winter boots. Look at this pile, he said. He conquered trash heaps. Oh my gosh, it's a cement block on a wooden crate. How the hell did they move a cement block on top of a wooden crate? (laughs) I shook my head. I have no idea, but I love that this pile is so interesting to you right now. (laughs) Abandoned fields of non-sequitur, construction pieces and corner store bottles, a muddy long-sleeve shirt with buttons on the ground. But now he pulled me up onto his trash pile and sex charged through my body. I never, ever thought land grabs could be so erotic. (laughs) Back home, we shared space. Craigslist camping buddies. Pushed together by lack of money. This must be how Nicole Kidman felt for Tom Cruise in Far and Away. (laughs) (laughs) Or how Pocahontas felt for John Smith in... um, Pocahontas. <laughs> my boyfriend's voice slipped into my ears and I felt shame. Let's go, I said. Blue. It took us five hours to find a taco in Pilsen. <laughs> Nothing taco related should take five hours in Pilsen. <laughs> Somehow, instead, we found the only church's chicken south south of downtown. I looked at the menu. There is way too much chicken on this menu to decide, I said. Wild-eyed and rosy-cheeked, he sidestepped the door for another chicken-eager couple. Um, yeah, he looked behind the counter for a sign of a tortilla. The girl behind the counter looked like Kit from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Latin kip in an apron and hat. Do you want grilled or fried? It was way too much for us. We left. (laughs) On the train tracks again. That was the best taco I ever had, he said, hanging from the stairs underneath the tracks. We watched the clouds drift in lava lamp time. Oh my God, it looks like the ocean, I whispered. I could watch this all day. Hey! What are you two doing on the tracks? Officer Rotund hopped out of his cop car while his trollo sidekick guarded the steering wheel. My roommate said, just looking at this tree, officer. As he tugged onto the only treeless, rootless stick hanging from the fence that protected us from the officer's power. All right, 
Well, be careful, he warned, shaking his head and laughing. <laughs> We turned in stunned relief, in stunned, breathless, giddy disbelief. Just looking at this tree officer, I grabbed his arm. I can't believe he bought that. <laughs> Purple. I am never going to feel this way again, am I? I stared down the tracks of the sleeping engines. He climbed the cars, green, orange, yellow. The pastels, the rhythm, the endless tracks with no owner. And bitter epiphany spilled up from the purple limestone hugging my feet. Kublai Khan. I get it now. The opium and the paradise cave. Colors like no other world. Why didn't anyone tell me about this before? How could they keep this from me? I was so angry at the world. We closed the distance between us, best friend camping buddies with a secret, shafted exes trying to recover from separate romances, like an arcade ball in that 70s lap game where you have to drive the metal sticks to keep it going back and forth, wider and closer, moving momentum, don't let it fall. I wiped the tears from my eyes, but he knew. He hugged me close, and I leaned in. We straddled the cement barricades and watched Dusk City below through the fence. Why do we do it? I asked. We just keep going day after day for no reason. Work and jobs. There's so little down there. Doesn't anybody else know that this place exists? I don't know, he said. I don't know why we do it. I guess it's just life and some people feel that they have to. I asked him, did you ever take your ex-girlfriend here? To the tracks? No, but we tripped together for sure. What'd you do? I don't know. We had fun, I guess. It was just different. Do you think you'll ever feel that way again, I said? You mean love someone? I don't know. She really fucked me up. Yeah, I know, I said. We could make a web series out of your life. <laughs> I mean, out of my life. I keep thinking in my head. What if he, what if my boyfriend doesn't get it? I mean, I don't think he's seen what he, we've seen. He won't even cross the street if the light's not green. He's scared of heights. He doesn't even like to fly on a good day. We could make a web series out of our fucked up lives. And then I saw it. I watched him feel his purple. Watered eyes, he put his hoodie up. And he balance beamed the barrier and walked away. Ready to go, he said. Yeah, where do you want to go? Let's go home. Inside the apartment, the air was still, and the street moved like waves outside. But the air stood still. On his workshop floor hours earlier, we'd laid on our bellies and measured the air with his measuring tape <laughs> until our eyes cried and our mouths dried from laughing. Watching TV, but my legs still wanted to run. Do your feet, teeth still feel amazing, he said. No, I laughed. My whole face does. And then he kissed me. I struggle to remember already the hue flesh pixel of that journey, of that trip, of our movement out of real life for just one day. But if I could do things over, I would have been more careful because I should have. I would have been less free. 
because that would have been the right way to do it. I would have been less relaxed. And if it meant that that kiss wouldn't have happened and my boyfriend still trusted me, I would have taken almost all of it back. But I wouldn't have given up the friendship and the fellowship that made it happen in the first place. Thank you very much, Natasha. I have misplaced my notes. Did you take those with you by chance? Oh, probably. <laughs> 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 yes, they are. Thank you very much. Cool. All right, guys. We're going to do one more story, then we're going to take a very short break. Uh, I talked a little bit about cake. We are going to hear from one of its organizers. She's going to tell us all about the show and share a story of her own. This is Grace Tran. Hi everyone. This is my first time here. Um, thanks for having me. As you can hear from my voice, I have a cold. But I'm here anyway because that's what happens when you're an organizer. You just run yourself ragged. It's thankless. There's no recognition. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so fellowship was the theme tonight and that's something I wanted to talk about, how I got into organizing a comics festival, um, <clears throat> how Cake came about, and why we continue to do what we do. Cake is the Chicago Alternative Comics Expo, which Kevin talked about. Um, so the first time I went to something resembling a comics fest or expo was at the Rosemont Horizon. I don't even remember if it was like Wizard World or like one of those like 90s comics things. Um, but I was a kid and my little brother had a pack of like X-Men cards and I think he had like a Phoenix card that was mint and we looked up the price in the guide and we were like, we need to make some money. Like let's go sell this card at this expo. <laughs> so we went and we're like, it's $15. Do you want to buy it? And I think like the vendors just like laughed in our faces. Um, it was a very friendly scene. So I remember that when I started organizing. You know, so like growing up, I was pretty lonely in my kit, in my group of friends, like as a comics reader. Um, my cousin and my brothers at some point were into comics, but then stopped reading them. And for me, I think things changed like in terms of how I read comics was when I was 13 and I went to Chicago Comics. <clears throat> I found an issue of Julie Doucette's Dirty Plot. Have you guys read that? Yeah. So good. <laughs> you guys got to look into it. Ju yeah. Really? <laughs> the two cartoonists. Um, so I think that was like a turning point for like how I read comics and was like thinking about comics. Um, and it was like alternative comics, not like superhero. At that point, I'd love Spider-Man and X-Men. So around that time, I started like making zines and... Um, comics. So when I was in college, my advisor, who's a poetry critic, I studied contemporary poetry, he was really supportive of comics, and this was around the time that comics was becoming like really popular like in a big way, I think. Um, and Chris Ware was had just published like Jimmy Corrigan. So my professors encouraged me to start interning for this comics publisher in Minnesota named Zach Sally. He um, was in the band Low, and he runs his own press called 
Lamano, and through him, I attended a lot of different comics expos. Um, SPX, which is in Bethesda, that's where I met Dylan Williams, the late publisher of Spark Plug. He was amazing, um, and I met a really good friend of mine, Austin English, who publishes Dom- um, through Domino Books now. Really good imprint of alternative art comics. Um, and I also went to Ape in San Francisco, which is another alternative comics um, expo. So after college, after all of that, I came back to Chicago. I was still reading a lot of comics, but and I grew up here. I came back and I like didn't really know like the comic scene at all. And I think I, I randomly met Joe Tallarico, who is now a comics editor for Lumpen. And he was like, "Hey, there are a bunch of people who are getting together to to do a comics." Expo, like they're just talking about it. There, nothing had existed in Chicago. I think the last like big alternative comics expo in Chicago was 17 years ago. Um, so there wasn't anything like it. And I was like, I knew immediately I wanted to get involved because I work in nonprofit. I have grant writing experience. I organize a film festival for um, out of school youth. So I was like, I can bring something to comics. Um, so. I just this afternoon I was thinking about this. I was looking through my old emails and I found I think I started attending the meetings in August 2010 and I think they'd met like a month before. So um at this time Cake didn't have a name yet. There was no venue, there was no mission statement and I in one early email someone suggests calling it ICE, the Illinois Comics Expo and holding it in the winter. Um and and there was a response to the email that was like, Chicago in the winter, what are you, what kind of crazy sadist are you? <laughs> and I think like needless to say, cake takes place every summer in Chicago. <laughs> every, the past three years, it's been in June. So at this point, four years in, I don't really remember those meetings, but the early meetings, um, it came down to five people. My Co-organizers are Neil Bredow, Edie Fake, Max Morris, Jeff Zwerick, and me. And we did that for a couple of years. Um, everything we've done for Cake has been determined um, through consensus as a group. Sometimes they're very long and involve discussions, sometimes too long. But I think that we go in like to creating an event with the intention um, to make a show a very safe space, to make it... Um, to curate a list of exhibitors who are, it's a combination of like people who are new to comics and people who are like seasoned pros, people who are Chicagoans and people from out of state. We have a lot of international cartoonists too. Um, and like the minutia that goes into putting together a comics fest is something I didn't anticipate. Um, I've been doing it now for, this is our third year. Um, there's a lot when you have 200 artists coming and a thousand people through the weekend from the public. So we learned a lot of things along the way, like getting things in writing. We didn't do that early on, and we were just like, oh, we just trust people. Like, yeah, you said you were going to do that. Sure, we'll we'll see you there with the tables. You know, like everything's going to be fine. So now we know get everything in writing. Um, and I think that's like another reason that it's kind of amazing to work with a group of people. You have people who are, some who are very detail oriented and others who are more big picture, but together I think you can combine your strengths and like our different experiences as artists and exhibitors to make sure that we have a good show. Um, so we first met in 2010, but the first show didn't take off till June 2012. And that was really hard work. It was really intense. Every step of the way, there were obstacles. We had problems with the venue, with raising funds, with the deadlines. Um, and we made it happen, and it was a success. 
we had rave reviews. And I think the, the most important thing from that was like learning how to work with each other after the first show. So I think like that after that going forward, it became easier to work together as a group. Um, Edie Fake and I wrote a proposal for the Propeller Fund, which, um, if you, do you guys know the Propeller Fund? They give money to nonprofit, to groups before they become nonprofits to put on events. So if you guys are, an arts organization are looking for some funding to get a kickstart. They they do really cool stuff. So we did that, and um, we got we were funded to do a second year, which was awesome. And that's how it, the second year was held at the Center in Halstead. It was last year, and that's where it'll be this year, May thirty first and June first. Um, and overall, I think over the years we've had a lot of support through the community, and I've met so many people through working with Cake. Um, Lyra Hill, who runs Brain Frame. Do you guys know Brain Frame? It's a performative comics reading series. I think they're almost done. Like, there's three left. The next one is May 24th. It's Saturday. It's at Constellation. You guys should look into it. It's really cool. Um, so Lyra's been an amazing supporter, and she's put on fundraising events on our behalf. She learned how to become an auctioneer to do art auctions. There's videos online. They're hilarious. Um, there's Edmar, who runs Co-Prosperity Sphere, who has donated space to us to use. Um, and we had our first fundraiser in 2011 at Maria's, which is his bar in Bridgeport. Um, we had a karaoke fundraiser there. We've worked with Spudnik Press, who's awesome, Halfwit Coffee, who makes coffee for sleepy exhibitors Saturday and Sunday mornings when they're setting up. Um, and then, you know, there's also Quimby's, which is where we have our meetings. And Quimby's is a great bookstore. We meet there every Monday at night. Um, so this is actually my last year organizing with Cake, and it makes me kind of sad, but I think it'll, you know, it's been a lot of work, and I think I'm happy to pass on the torch to Ben Burton and Marnie Galloway, who are new um, organizers. Um, but I think, like, overall, Cake has been an opportunity for me to meet a lot of new people, and... Um, I've been on hikes, I've like had work sessions at the library, I've gone to look at meteors, I've played at music with people I met through Cake. So it's it's just like an amazing like fellowship I think like entering into um organizing and I think overall it becomes a sort of hub for cartoonists as Kevin was saying earlier in the Midwest. Um I remember the first year someone came, I was working the info table and they had come from Kentucky and they were like, There's no comics fest like in the Midwest, you know, like I'm not gonna go to New York or LA to go to a big comics festival to see like what people are making. So it was kinda cool to like have someone come to Chicago for that. Um you know, so anyway it's just like it's really cool to have people come together and look at self-published work, talk, make friends, introduce each other to like new work. Um, I just want to thank you guys for having me. And the details for cake are May 31st and June 1st. It's free. It's 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And we have a lot of special guests this year. You guys should check us out. CakeChicago.com.
I'm gonna go for sure. It's always it makes me so happy when people come here and talk about comics. We had Art Balthazar on this stage about a year ago talking about Superman, and that was so great. And this was man, it reminded me of that it was super great too. I'm really excited for Cake. And we got one more song for you. This is probably the greatest supergroup of all time. I can't think of a better, bigger collection of talent. We've got Jeff Lynne from ELO. We've One, got Tom Petty. Two. We've got George Harrison. Three. Bob Dylan. Four. And Roy Orbison. Five. This is The Traveling Wilburys. Uh, and this is a song called Handle With Care. And we're all going to sing it. One, two, three, Produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com/nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>